Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Thanks for tuning in today, and I appreciate you all listening and supporting the podcast. Please take a listen to the third part of the series of talks that me and Matt had, and uh, hope you all like it. I am definitely uh, wanting your feedback on what we're doing here. If you could take a minute, drop a line. Uh, the truth talks podcast at gmail.com you can also visit our brand new website for the church which is bellcroft biblechurch.org you can also follow us on twitter and on instagram uh, on instagram is the truth talks podcast and on twitter it is the truth talks p1 thank you all and here is the last part in the series of three with matt on talking about men and their role Hope you all like it. This is Truth Talk. To describe courage was essentially synonymous to what it meant to be a man. A man was a man was the the picture of courage. That's why it says act like men. <laughs> when in Greek, it's literally the word. Literally, it's a, it's it's the imperative. Be courageous. Mm-hmm. They translate it, act like men, because in that day and age, that's what it was. To be a man was to be a courageous. Not today. Not no, at all. No. Not at all. It shows you how far we've gone from what a true man is, mm-hmm. that we've lost that in translation. It doesn't even make sense, right? But that's what it, that's what it meant. And that was Christ. Who was more courageous than him? Go to the cross. Know he's going to the cross. Continue to come to earth. Do all that he did. And yet he did it with tenderness. Tenacity and tenderness, man, it's amazing, amazing. And that's, yeah, that's what we need. That's that's what I'm striving for mm-hmm. imperfectly uh, mm-hmm. on every level. But I'm, I'm uh, by God's grace, through his sovereign provocation in my own life and through his grace and mercy in my heart, that's what I'm after. And I'm trying to raise two boys to do the same mm-hmm. and raise two girls to find two boys that'll do the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unashamedly. Unashamedly. Yeah. This, so. this, that's a, that's my, you know, that's where I am. Yeah. I'm and that's, definitely, and that's, you know. but that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we should be doing. Right. And I'm, I'm convinced uh, I am not at all. It never will be. And, and, uh, never claim to be the perfect parent. I'm actually a, uh, you know, a struggling parent on many levels by way of my sin. And yet I am convinced as a parent, our children long to see consistency, mm-hmm. consistency and conviction with compassion. They long to see that they want to, and they test you on it. They'll push you even in their rebellion because they want to see, they want to see the, is he really that, or is he just going to say that around Pastor Matt or at church? Or whatever? Mm-hmm. They will. They'll push you. And, and I've had conversations with my children where they've told me that, mm-hmm. right? And they've honestly come clean. And, I mean, absolutely. We know that. That's how it works. We do that. Yeah. And it's like, but, man, that godly man, he is consistent. He doesn't change how he is at the office, is how he is at home, is how he is at church. He's on fire for the Lord no matter who he's talking with. It's real, and that impacts our children, man, big time. Over time, yeah. Over time, not it. Listen, raising kids is not a is not a putting a a quarter in this in the slot, and out comes a 
obedient child. It doesn't work that way. I wish it did. Yeah, everybody does, <laughs> but it doesn't work that way because yeah. sanctification is so much a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. We need to be sanctified through it, and the Lord is good to do that. It takes a lifetime. But over time, uh, over time, consistency and faithfulness in the father and the mother, by God's grace, that wears on a child. They can't deny it. If they're going to rebel, and they, and they will, they're going to do it not because of you, but because it's what they want. Mm-hmm. But the inconsistency, it's one of the ways you, the Paul talked about exasperating or angering your children is when you're inconsistent. Inconsistent in how you discipline, inconsistent in how you live, inconsistent in how you talk, inconsistent with your rules, inconsistent with your thoughts. It's like, no, our children need to see clarity, consistency, conviction with compassion. Mm-hmm with them and uh man they 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 will they will run to you then because they know what they're going to get even when they're rebellious and and uh um disobedient and i i'm seeing some of that fruit come back and it's a blessing it's a blessing yeah it's um one so the other day i was uh talking to one of my children and this particular child has a tendency to do stuff halfway mm-hmm. and you know part of you know me losing a child to uh well not losing a child but uh the, a, the 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 navy gaining a child yes and uh actually wabana gaining a child for <laughs> you know for the summer uh a lot of the responsibilities have fallen on my two younger uh girls so it was it was it was a simple thing it was all, all about like they so they have to now take the trash down, mm-hmm. take the recycling down, and un- unlike uh, unlike your son, it's two of them doing it instead of one. Yeah. So, so it's like one has this responsibility, the other has the other. So it's like okay, take the stuff down, and our recycle bin sits in our garage, like right by the door, because you know we just throw stuff in it from right there. So what happened was, uh, it was you know like hey, go grab the uh, the recycle, you know recycling and the trash from the curb. So she grabs the recycle bin and pulls it to the garage door and comes inside and act like nothing is is different. So I go to throw another can of (laughs) sparkling water in the recycle bin uh, because I'm trying to be a good citizen. And also because my wife hates it when I just throw them in the trash (laughs) because that's what's close to the convenient. Um, I go to throw it and, and it's not there. And I'm like, hey, did I ask you to pull it up? Just to make sure that I wasn't tripping. Yeah. It's like, where is it? It's on the outside of the garage. Where is it supposed to be? Inside. And I was like, okay, go ahead, take care of it, please. Goes and pulls it in. And I just take this moment to make it like a, hey, you need to do when you do things. You need to do the entire task. Mm-hmm. Like if I mean, it's it's very simple. I say go pull it from the from the curb. You pull it into the garage. You open the top, and you set it right there, just like every other time. Just be consistent. And as I'm talking to her, I was completely convicted of this one little patch of paint that I did the mud on <laughs> in my in my house that I have not painted. And it's just sitting there, and it's yep. a patch of paint, and I'm yep. like, "Oh my goodness, that's I, parenting I just, right there." I just, I just um, feel it. Yep. I'm like, I can't believe it. Like, I'm sitting here having this conversation with her, 
And she would have been well within her rights to say, Daddy. Hey, Dad. What about that? What yeah. about that spot on the wall? And then I'm going to get mad. And then I'm going to blow up. And <laughs> yep. I'm going to be completely in the wrong. Yep. And it's like. But that's. But that is. That that analogy is is funny because that as parents, we deal with that all the time. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the beauty and joy. And back to your point, God's design is perfect. Mm-hmm. Because we're not only helping our children along, that's his design, to help raise them to, for on the negative side, drive folly out of them mm-hmm. and to establish wisdom, right? Teach them. That's God's design. But it's also they, they God uses them to convict, right? And bring conviction and consistency as we realize, oh, wow, well, I struggle with the same thing. Yeah. I got, man, what am I doing? I got to work on this, right? <sighs> By God's grace mm-hmm. and God. Helps us along, and again, that's the beauty of of marriage and parenting. Without them, there is a level, there is a level of understanding your own sin, and even um, uh, the nature the nature of God. That's I would say nearly impossible until you go through that, because it just opens your eyes to things about your own nature. Especially, it starts out in marriage, and you're like, oh yeah, wow, I'm really selfish, I'm really prideful, I'm really needy i'm really you know independent discontent i'm really discontent there's a whole list of things and then you work on that and then the lord blesses you with children and you're like all right i got this and then they come in the house and you're like wow i didn't realize how prideful selfish Mm -hmm. like it's at a whole nother level Mm -hmm. even beyond marriage and and uh i think uh going back to the sermon today and then if the lord by god's grace blesses you with older parents and then you start caring for them it's all, it's like right back in there again. Back you're, to diapers. You're just like, well, yeah. And then you're like, oh, I'm so prideful. I'm so selfish. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, and it's all the Lord working, molding, rubbing, sandpapering, smoothing out the edges as he makes you into this trophy of grace. And by now he's got it all carved and now he's finishing out the edges. And it's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to that perfect design. Mm-hmm. Just like let the Lord do his work. Just be quiet. Obey, submit, follow him, and watch him bless your life beyond anything you can imagine spiritually as you grow and know him, which is really ultimate joy, Mm -hmm. is walking with him and seeing really his glorious forgiveness and his undeserved faithfulness in our lives is is really unspeakable. Mm -hmm. Can't be compared to material prosperity, and yet he does that too at times, which is amazing, but there's there's no comparison between the unspeakable joy of seeing Christ and being conformed into his image and being made like him and yet being able to enjoy his um, re- relationship with him and walking with him and seeing the glory and sufficiency mm-hmm. that he is. And that's the that's the amazing thing that I didn't get to bring out today um, like I wanted to just because of the time, but the Pharisees were rejecting the authority of God's word, but they were also rejecting the sufficiency. The first point in verse 9, they're really rejecting his authority. Verses 10 to 11, or yeah, 10, 11, and 12, it's all about they were rejecting the sufficiency because scripture wasn't enough. So they had to make up this whole system with Corbin and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, they totally distorted God's word to where it wasn't enough. They needed to add all this other stuff to it. And we do that all the time, and we miss the joy 
and the peace that comes from the sufficiency of Scripture. I need nothing else. Mm-hmm. I just need to find the simplicity. That was another thing I wrote in my notes. They utterly rejected the simplicity of Scripture. It's like honor your father and mother. It's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no strings attached. There's no just 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 take care of them, respect them, love them, mm-hmm. be a family. It's like mm-hmm. it's not hard in the sense of it's not hard to understand. Then they add all this, it's Corbin, I devote this, and take that, and you can have this. It's all these elaborate systems. No. Scripture is authoritative, sufficient, and simple. It's clear. And yet we reject that all the time. All the time. You mentioned, uh, and I wrote real big in my notes, doctrine divides. Yeah. And uh, I thought through so many different uh, uh, situations where, I just did not agree with uh, my mother. And yeah. my mother was a, <laughs> she, she was, she was one of those people who had, I mean, she was definitely hungry for scripture. Mm-hmm. She wanted to know so much about it. I think that what she lacked was the, um, like we didn't go to a church that 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 really taught the word yeah. and really, you know, let the word, you know, the simplicity of the word come out. It mm-hmm. was more of, it was more of the traditions of men. Mm-hmm. We have always done it this way, so this is how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I remember when um, my mother actually taught at my high school, which was uh, a Christian school, mm-hmm. and they were extremely Baptist. I mean, 1611 Baptist. I'm talking like old school Baptist. KJV only. Like, you know, that was when my mother would have an NIV in her classroom. Ooh. I mean, it was like. That's, that, man, that's fighting. Yeah. Like, it was horrible. Yeah. So, or good news Bible. Like, don't bring the good news Bible oh, no. in there either. So, <laughs> so I remember her, they had a problem with her at our, at our old church. She was a minister. Mm-hmm. And she would call her, you know, her title was Minister Alma Boone. Mm -hmm. And it was controversial. Yeah. So I was like, well, what's the problem? And uh, a couple of people, a couple of teachers showed me in scripture where if you were to, you know, have the office of pastor, then Mm -hmm. you would be a husband of one wife. And I'm like. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with you on this, Ma. But she kept going, and it was like that was where that that was where I could kind of see the tearing, and it wasn't a tearing if I never spoke to her again. Yeah, but I could always tell. And then as I got a little older, I, I got you know I got mar- I married Beverly, and you know we had two kids, and she's like, well, I want to buy the kids Bibles, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. And and I remember this question. She's like, well, what kind of Bible should I ask them? Because she knows I don't want you to buy me. An, I don't buy me a new international version Bible. Like, just don't just don't do it. And she's like, well, why not? I was like, well, it's not as close to the original text as it should be. So, I mean, it's not horrible, but it's not what I want to teach my children. So what version am I supposed to buy then? <laughs> well, get two ESVs, you know. NASB ESB ESV and she's like okay and there was so much reluctance in her voice that she was like "Mm -mm, I don't want to do this but you know I respect him and I love him so I'm going to do it 
And one of the hardest things for me to do was to, I remember after she had died, I was going to, I went to the basement and, you know, was, you know, kind of, you know, gathering up things. And I remember, this is actually, no, she was in the hospital but before she died. I went to the basement and I found these two little Bibles mm. that she had bought. Mm-hmm. And I looked and it had the ESV logo on them. And I was like, she liked me. Mm-hmm. She liked me just a little bit. Yeah. The fact that even though <laughs> it was just a point of contention for us, because my entire life I was NIV, yeah. New International Version. I was that. They even called it a new interesting version at one point, you know, but she had done that. And it was like, man, that felt great. But there were so many things that she just like, I remember having a conversation with her and she just had this look on her face. Like, why do you believe that? And I'm like, I don't have a choice. Like, that's what the scripture says. But that was definitely a dividing there. And even now I, I have, you know, just difference of, and I, I will call it opinion, but it's it's really difference of belief. Yeah. Where people in my own family, people that are friends of mine, they completely, they don't believe the same thing I believe about Scripture. And I'm like, if you open up the Scripture and you read them, like, it says it. Like, it's it's so clear. Totally. It's not a thing of, you know, the well, gospel, But the gospel divides. It does. And Scripture divides. Yeah. Truth divides. Mm-hmm. Now, truth unites around those who follow the truth, mm-hmm. but by those who get deceived by others who are taking them away from the truth, it always it always divides. It, it, it will always create tension, and it, and it does. But that tension is good on many levels if it's handled rightly, mm-hmm. right? Because that tension is often what's used to draw people out from error, mm-hmm. to draw people into the truth, because yeah. it's there, and they're like, wait a minute, am I not right? Why am I not right? And so without that tension then that right sense of respectful tension, those people have no hope. They'll just continue in their lie, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where it's not helpful to let people just embrace the lies. Oh, that's your that's your truth. This is my truth. No, there's only one truth, mm-hmm. right? And, and people need to be confronted in, in, with compassion. And so, uh, yeah, I have the same exact thing in my own family. And uh, I was going to ask you about that because yeah, I, I don't know if you, when you re-preached this, I don't know if you were going to bring that story up, but it, yeah. that story was, was, was good. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I have I have uh, multiple family members and where there's uh, lots of theological, lots of theological disagreement. And, it, and it's been amazing. And uh, this is a testimony to God's grace to doing what Scripture says, honor your father and mother you know, love your family and all those things. And, you know, everybody knows in my family where I stand. Everybody knows what I stand for and what I don't and what I, how I'm going to answer before I answer. You know, my family knows. And and there's some pretty sharp disagreements on a number of theological things, and yet I love them. I love mm-hmm. them, right? But I'm not going to be shy to speak forth the truth, and I haven't. And it's there has been times of division and difficulties, and that's normal. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do about that. Yet the goal is not to divide. The goal is not to create division. The truth will do that. The goal is to be gracious, compassionate, and uncompromising, and loving no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. And to love them. Listen, we don't agree. You know, you, you're, you're blinded to the truth, and you don't but I'm going to love you. I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do whatever I can. And I have seen, and this is, again, a testimony. I've seen family members change, soften, t- 
take these hard line truths where that are just not biblical, but they think they are, and you just, by God's grace, you make a few comments. You don't drive it. It's not like a hammer you're beating them over the head with, but you're just like, yeah, no, I don't believe that. What do you mean you don't believe that? Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches this. This is what so-and-so says, verse says, and you just leave it, mm-hmm. and you just let that simmer. I've learned the crockpot theology works really good <laughs> in family. Right, doesn't work good open air preaching. You you don't have time for you a crock don't have pot. Time. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get the truth out. That's you gotta, the blender. You gotta you do you gotta go direct. You gotta go hard. You gotta go fast because that's what you've got. Family members that doesn't work good. Right, mm-hmm. it's more the simmer, the slow simmer approach where you just you love them. They know where you stand, and you just little at a time. You just keep feeding a little truth here, a little truth. Let's sit, let it simmer, and you watch over time. You watch all of a sudden they start, you just see, see little subtle changes mm-hmm. in the way they talk and what they think and what they do. And you're just like, when did that happen? Yeah. When did that happen? You mean you no longer believe that? When did that, you know? And that happens so often. But the key is patience. Mm-hmm. The key is patience. Being patient with one another as family members, right? Being, I mean, we should be that with everybody, but with family, it's extra. You have to be extra patient because it's so hard. And you're going to get castigated a lot, like Christ did. Again, I love it. Christ is the example. Right? Look how patient he was with his brothers that ultimately hated him, really, when you see what they tried to do to him, which we'll see in a couple weeks in Mark. And it's like he's patient with them. He's patient. And then, you know, as far as we know, they all, at least his brothers anyway, become saved after the resurrection. And there they are, right? And uh, it's pretty amazing. So... Uh, it's so important, so important, and um, holding the ground and yet doing it lovingly, patiently, not sugarcoating it, but uh, not covering it, but understanding that God's the one who changes hearts, not us. Mm-hmm. And you got to let the Word do its work, not like a hammer, right? But uh, just be faithful, and it's, it's a blessing. Yeah, good. Well, um, I think we are... Have- I don't know what to call. I don't know. I can't help you. I can't help you what to call this, man. This was. I, I know what to call it. The Here journey. We go. Here we go. <laughs> Faithfulness, family, and Pharisees. <laughs> Look at that, man. You're on it. <laughs> you came up with that. I had nothing to do with that. Yeah, man. that's that's gonna be the name of the podcast it's, today because you know it's. I don't. I we talked about so many things, <laughs> but we talked about faithfulness and the the the. Uh, the the joy uh, of seeing faithfulness. Uh, first of all, seeing God's faithfulness. Let's start yeah, there. Yeah. And then how important it is for us to be faithful men, uh, and how it's important for us to, or you know, uh, pastors and, and elders to raise a, a generation and 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 teach faithfulness to men well, and you, teach them how to be faithful. And that then that goes to to the family. Absolutely. And that is what makes, you know, the family strong so yes. they aren't affected and led astray by Absolutely. the Pharisees. Exactly. And amen, you're you're right. And the key I think that we didn't really talk about but really has been big in the Bible study mm-hmm. is the faithfulness of God drives it all. Mhm. Because again, the godly man, his focus is God, right, mm-hmm. in Christ, and so he's he's all about that. He's that's his life. That's who he's after. That's who he's pleasing. That's who he's serving. That's who he's been bought by. His whole life is centered around the pleasure, the praise, and the pursuit of God. And when that is true, then the attributes of God, those communicable attributes of God, 
begin to to be taken on by the man. Mm -hmm. And so the faithfulness of God, which is one of one of the most important ones without God's faithfulness, we would be above all people most hopeless. That's why second Timothy says when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Mm -hmm. Right. And that reality of God's faithfulness is, uh, I think it was John Calvin said, if God were everything he, he is, and yet not faithful, we would, he would be a most scary God. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, but he's faithful. And that reality drives us in our faithfulness as men because we're following him. And that that truth is so important. And of course you see it most clearly as Christ is the radiance of the Father, the exact imprint of his image. And one of the things you see about Christ when you're growing in Christ's likeness that blows you away is the faithfulness of Christ to mm-hmm. his Father. Because mm-hmm. we're following Christ, right. right? And he's our model, he's our example, he's our He's our uh, high priest. He's our mediator. He's everything. Mm -hmm. And as we follow in the footsteps of Christ and we're seeking to be faithful to Christ and ultimately to God, we watch how he was faithful to Mm -hmm. his father, even unto the point of unto death. It's it blows blows our mind. Mm -hmm. And that's our calling and so encouraging. So without that, any hope of our of our uh, legacy uh, being marked of faith faithful is is done. Because without the sovereign faithfulness of God, we have nothing. Because I won't be faithful, left to my own devices, but thankful. Christ, he goes with me, he walks before me, he carries me, and he demonstrates for me what that looks like. And now Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, I follow him. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. That's a point that I didn't bring out and um, needed, felt compelled that that's, that's it. That's what we need. And that's where, again, the contemporary church has lost its way because it doesn't promote a God who's faithful. It doesn't promote a God at all. It promotes man as God. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with a number of people today that brought that up and was just like, yeah, we're a couple. We had some visitors today from a number of churches around the, the country that were with us today. And uh, they were speaking very clearly about how sad it is, even in their own home churches what I was describing about Harvard in the beginning of the sermon and about how Harvard had started out in 1636 with a clear uh, pursuit to be uh, the first a training institute for pastors and then, you know, didn't take long and they turned liberal. And, and a number of these people today were saying, yeah, our church is at home. That's exactly what we're watching them through this whole debacle of what's going on in our country. They're, they're literally turning away from the word and embracing all these ideas of man and Sad, sad, rather than just elevating God. Yeah. Literally, every week, that's all That's all it is. Open the Bible and bring God out. Mm-hmm. Just show show the people who he is. Show, show yourself, pastor. That's my job all mm-hmm. week. See God. Be mm-hmm. confronted with him. Eleve, I mean, that's it. That's, that's what we do. Yeah. So. Hearing that about Harvard completely tripped me out because... I would never ever think that Harvard was a any type of seminary or Christian school. Most people or, don't know that. All of them, Yale, Princeton, yeah. all of them, yeah. all of them, all of the major, the four major institutions. There's more, but the four big ones in America, they were all started, all of them, to be pastoral training seminaries for pastors. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then they grew out of that. Of course, they all grew away from that. Now it's all a mess. And it's, yeah, and it's interesting, it's a whole nother podcast, a whole nother discussion, but how they all started was as one started to weaken, another one would start. 
and that's how it goes. We can mean, we mean theologically. So as really? one starts to go into liberalism, then another institution, so the strong guys will leave that institution oftentimes and then start another one mm-hmm. because that's how it always works. And this is this has been the history through all um, training institutions. So they'll start out with a pure goal and a pure motive and with a pure uh, staff and then liberalism turning away from truth. It's always minimizing truth, turning away from it. It weakens it and then it goes liberal every time. And when that happens, then a group will leave and start another one. And then a group will leave and start another one. And that's how all these seminaries, the Master Seminary got started that way. Westminster Seminary got started that way. Princeton got started. I mean, they all do. All of them. Brown. I don't know that one. You don't know? Brown Brown is in uh, um, Rhode Island, uh, in Providence. Actually, uh, Dustin actually went there. Yeah, I I um, but yeah, all the major ones and even the the little ones. I mean, that's how it always happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it goes back to that point of this is yeah, it's sad. That's sad. yeah, that's crazy. Well, yeah, we need to do. You know, we have yet to do a podcast on church history. Well, we gotta. There's a lot. There's a lot there. Yeah, I you know <laughs> when you when you start talking about history, I love it and just going back and taking a look at those things so we just finished we just finished z and the uh the abc's of reformation book by, uh, is it no yeah uh, yeah yeah z, yeah z was Wingley. yeah um who was that steve steven nichols steven nichols yeah yes yeah, good, um, good book yeah we, we just finished z so now we're gonna go through the numbers yeah uh, of everything yeah and you know what's funny for me is that like when i go through the history of some of those things yeah they're like I'm learning a lot, obviously, but the 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 kids are like, "Well, wait a minute, excuse me, is that what happened?" I'm like, "Yeah, like that is what happened." And th- the thing about it is the the <laughs> like when we were going through uh, talking about like uh, uh, who was it that was um, that got kicked out of uh, uh, was it uh, who got kicked out of uh, Scotland or John Knox yeah, yeah. John Knox and yeah. I was like you know his his grave because his grave is yeah. in it's in the parking lot in a parking lot yeah, and I'm a, like yeah I was like his grave is in a parking lot it I'm is like, really yeah you can see the the <laughs> the I guess it's the headstone or the whatever the mm-hmm. the capstone it's, it's, it's actually like a plate just yeah, like a plate, a plate. that's yeah. in yeah. the parking yeah. lot and yeah. I was like yeah they, they kicked him out yeah. but his his grave is in a yep. parking lot and I'm like look and I saw look it up online yep. and show them I'm like yeah it's in a parking lot but it's just fun learning about those things and 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 kind of going through those. We bounce back and forth between that and I don't know why I did it, but I did it. I got the the larger Westminster Catechism and it's like the old school English. Oh man! So I'm like having to interpret it to them as I'm reading it. New, but New City. Yeah, I need to go yeah, do New, new city. city. But but I like the I like Westminster. It's like the old school, you know. And then their first question um, is, you know, uh, what is the chief end of man? Yeah, yep. And because I, I think another one, it's a different. Like some yeah. of the other catechisms is a yeah. different one. So I started off with that one. Yeah. So I kind of want to stick with that one. But Beverly's like, w- why is the question so long? And why is there? Why is there so much old English? Like, where's the English in it? <laughs> this was, I was made like, in sixteen forty, whatever right, six or right. whatever. So I'm like, just, it just it's okay. I'll, I'll, how about this? Because in the book, it actually gives you the scripture in the back. Yeah. So I was like, look, I'll read the the ESV version of the scripture. How about that? Yeah. You know, just make it easier for us. That's but, good. No, that's but, all, that's all profitable and helpful and excellent. I was looking at some the church history notes we did here at Belcroft a few years ago, and I'm like. 
I'm ready to teach this again. Yeah, I, I, I love I, it. I, I pray we can get back to some sense of normalcy and have a Sunday school ministry again. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to unearth those notes and we're going to go through that again. You know, for me, excuse me. Wow. This is a long day for me. Um, I had to be at uh, church because I played the day I had to be there. At, uh, I was there at eight o'clock. So, and then a long night last night. So yeah, sorry. I'm yawning on the podcast because I'm real. I'm a real person. Okay. <laughs> Just leave me alone. I'm a real person. Um, but yeah, you know, when I think about church history for me, I just want to know kind of where I I loved one of my favorite things. And the first things that you had taught was the pendulum swing. Oh man, it's so important. When I, when I looked at that, I was like, oh man, that's so good. So that is what like just pulled me in more to want to know more about that. So I think intellectualism and emotionalism Mm -hmm. on both ends of the spectrum. You can see it throughout church history, every movement swung from one side so yeah. you had the intellectuals or you had the you had the charismatic emotional guys and mm-hmm. and it would it would swing all back and forth yeah. and you had because they were extremes responding yeah. to one another mm-hmm. truth is always right there in yeah. the middle man and yeah. it's important so, so we're gonna have to come back and, and talk about a few things about that but yeah but yeah well uh let's end here and um i'm grateful that you all are listening to the truth talks podcast uh, if you have any questions please Email us at the truth talks podcast at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 612-88-TRUTH. And also, you can go to our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Until next time, we hope that you all will continue to seek the truth in God's word and take care. Oh, wait a minute. And now, here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's probably going to be an old school one. I'm going to put an old school one on there. If you all haven't noticed, I put the old school uh, gospels on there. So here is the old school gospel of Jesus Christ. The idea, because uh, I had a discussion with someone, and uh, it's it's always fun to see uh, people's theological upbringing and, and what they believe the Bible says versus what it actually says. Yeah. Uh, I, I would I would ask and this actually ties into what we do every time here on the truth talks podcast where we give a very clear gospel message at the very end uh not for the purpose not just for the purpose of discipling or you know uh showing people the gospel but also for believers uh so we can hear it over and over again we understand it and able to share it uh which is what our mandate is uh, from jesus himself to do amen now um the question is more about where I would say where the gospel starts Mm. and uh, the particular comment that came to me uh, was saying that the gospel starts with God's love. Mm. Um, We've had a conversation before offline about biblical love. Yeah. So if you can, uh, we will probably have to cut this off and come back the next time. But what is the, what is biblical love? Well, can I go back and answer the first the first point you said first? I okay. Think, like the whole gospel starting with love? Yeah, God's love. Yeah. Um, I understand what people say when they say that, and, you know, they're pulling out, you know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And I get what they're saying, and, you know, if you're parachuting into that text, you could say that. And, mm-hmm. and there's there's a correct understanding that, that, that comes out of that that it's not totally wrong to say that, right? Absolutely, God did send his son into the world to redeem sinners because he is a loving God. So I'm I'm not utterly 
going to throw that out and say that's wrong. However, it's not. I would say that view is incomplete. I'm not going to say it's. it's I'm not going to say it's inaccurate because it's not. But it is definitely, uh, in many ways, grossly incomplete. And I can answer it really quickly, or I can state it really quickly. In many ways, the whole of Scripture is the story of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Scripture doesn't start with God's love. Scripture starts with God's character. It starts with the fact that he is the great creator. That's why I've often said many times, the best place to start in your evangelism is the book of Genesis, Mm -hmm. or in the reality that God is a holy God who is the sovereign creator of all the earth, which you get that right out of Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God, right? Right. So that's where you start. That's where the gospel starts, the fact that God is creator and that we are responsible to him. And then, of course, we have sinned, and then the love comes in, the mercy, the kindness, the grace comes in once you understand who God is as sovereign creator and holy uh, uh, Lord of all the earth. Then you see man as created graciously by God to serve and worship him, but man rebelling against him in sin, then and only then do you start to see the love of God then poured out upon man because God didn't leave man in that state alone, that helpless state. And you know what? First John, which is really helpful in answering the second question, but also ties into the first. First John chapter 4 you know, says that. And says, verse 7 of chapter 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Here you go. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. There's your word. Yep. Now, what does that propitiation teach? It teaches what? God's holiness, Mm -hmm. God's justice, God's wrath. Mm -hmm. It was the need for propitiation, right? The appeasement of that wrath because man broke the law of God and didn't fulfill the demands of God. And therefore, as the righteous judge, God has to and will judge man because he's a good judge. And so he needs to propitiate himself, satisfy his wrath. And in so doing, he shows himself loving because he satisfies him himself, his, his wrath, by sending his son. Mm-hmm. So you can't get to the understanding of his love if you don't understand his wrath, his judgment, his holiness that has been, that has been um, in, in, in every way degraded by our sin. You can't understand the love of God. You cannot. You will not. You will, you will totally um, uh, pervert it. You will pervert the love of God if you don't see the love of God through the lens of the justice of God, the holiness of God, and the wrath of God, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah, so so that's why you can't start there. Mm-hmm. You have to start with the character of God. And starting with the character of God, uh, as we close, uh, the character of God is holiness. Amen. And uh, he is completely holy uh, with that. Uh, and you just said it, the propitiation, as we were reading in First John 4, yep. uh, that propitiation, uh, he has a wrath, and, and that wrath is poured out. A wrath uh, against sin. A wrath against sin. And we, we are sinners because we've rebelled against him, and that, that has to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. 
and he propitiates himself, and that's love. Mm-hmm. Like we don't ever know. Yeah. Now we have a choice in this, right? Mm, yes. What's our choice? We must repent and believe. We must recognize our sin. We must see our sin for what it is and what it's done to a holy God that we, as David says in Psalm 51, ultimately against God and God alone have we sinned. Mm-hmm. And we must see that, recognize that, and turn from that. That's repentance. Mm-hmm. And trust in Christ alone, not by works but by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, uh, Matt. We are uh, actually just hitting the surface, I guess, of God's love and uh, explaining what biblical, you know, the biblical view of God's love. But thank you all for tuning into the Truth Talks podcast. Uh, We hope you enjoyed and hope you learned something. Uh, Please like and subscribe the podcast as well. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Thanks for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast and visit our website at BelcroftBibleChurch.org. Delighting in the Word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Belcroft Bible Church.